Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. I want to remind uh, the men and boys that we have a uh, men's banquet coming up in uh, April, and that will be the second Saturday of the month instead of a men's breakfast. And tickets are on sale today just so we can get a good count. And I want to encourage you to invite somebody, uh, maybe invite your father or grandfather or son or brother or friend or relative or neighbor uh, to come and join uh, with you and uh, come and join us for that banquet. It's good to have you with us this morning. Um, now this morning I need to uh, I can do a little experiment. So I'm going to need some help here. Um, <laughs> this one. <laughs> Michael, I'm going to pay you to listen to me today, okay. and I'm not, I'm not suggesting you don't normally listen, because you are very attentive, you're very attentive, but today I'm going to pay you, because, uh, let me make sure I didn't give you too much, because, because I need you to hang on my every word, you need to hang on my every, no, no, Matt, <laughs> you need to hang on my every word, because I'm counting on you to decipher the hidden meaning, so you're going to have to work hard to listen today. You always listen well. That's I appreciate it. No, you don't get paid. Sorry. Can I, can I just no, you can't. No. I say, work hard today, Michael, okay? All right. We've been studying the Gospels, Gospel of Mark, and uh, it's been a privilege to, to be a part of this study with you and also in our Sunday school classes. And, um, and so we're going to continue that this morning, but we're actually going to be in Matthew, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But let's pray. Father, as we open your word today, we pray that uh, your word would be real to us and that we would uh, listen to it and consider it and apply it to our lives. It's, it's the message of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we are Christians. We are ones called by his name, and we've gathered today uh, to, to listen to your word. And so may you speak to us in Christ's name. Amen. Now, as uh, Michael listens and hangs on my every word today and was working hard, um, how many of you ever heard of the Harmony of the Gospels? Ever seen a Harmony of the Gospels? Okay, good, okay. The Harmony of the Gospels is simply, um, it used to be you had to buy the book. I think it was Robertson, I think, maybe wrote this original one. And uh, I know in college, my freshman year, when we were studying the Gospels, we, we bought the book. But today, I, some of your study Bibles have a Harmony of the Gospels in the back of it. Um, you can go on the internet and get them. And it simply lays out the four Gospels in four columns, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it allows you to get the entire story because there are things that Matthew will mention that Mark doesn't. It'll be the same, basically the same storyline. You'll come to John, and, and, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called the synoptics because they're very similar. Mark is the shortest. John is the most unique of the four Gospels. And so as you read, for example, as we're coming toward Easter and you read what we call a Passion Week, the, the week of, of uh, the Lord going to uh, Jerusalem, you will find uh, some details in John you will not find in the synoptics. You will find things in the synoptics about the kingdom of God and parables you won't find in John. So if you read all four of the Gospels, so I just encourage you, if you're ever studying the Gospels, leading the study, doing some of your own reading, to take time to um, look at one of those resources and so this morning, as we, we are in the Gospel of Mark, and you will notice that um, uh, we've been in chapters 9 
and we've been in chapters uh, 10. And last week I preached to you from Mark chapter 10 and uh, verse, 30, uh, verse 32, where uh, it says they were on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. And we preached last week and we, we took them aside and, and spoke about the, the, the coming um, uh, the coming death that he would to uh, suffer in uh, Jerusalem. And in the midst of this, just before that, you will notice the last line on uh, verses 28 to 31. But it begins in 28, Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. We've, all of a sudden, you know, in the midst of this discussion where, where we have the rich young ruler and he comes and he says to Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And we had the story we covered, I think, in Sunday school this morning where, where Jesus says, um, you know, keep the commandments. And he says, I've done this since my youth. And he says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me. That was a command to this man. That was not a universal command to everybody that came to Jesus. But in this particular case, that's what Jesus asked to him. Obviously, that was an issue. That was something he was having a hard time giving up. And so, um, and he went away. And uh, it's in this context that Peter says, Lord, we have left everything. We did that. You came to me and, and said, follow me. And I got up and I left my, my father's business. And it was a good business. Fishing was a good business in, in the area of Galilee. Fish was a staple of their diet. It was a business. And he says, we, we, did, we did this. We left everything. We left everything. And just walked away from it to follow you. And he says to the Lord, um, you know, we have left everything to follow you. And the implication is, what, what is it in it? What's in it for us? What are we going to get for this? And then Jesus wants to run again. He, he mentions to them that uh, he says, he replies in verse 29, no one's left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me. And the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last um, will be first. Now, Matt, you were interested in that dollar, so I'm going to give you a dollar too. Okay, now you have to hang on my every word too. All right? You got to listen carefully. Now, I just, boy, you're really anxious about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now listen, Matt, we just read this passage that Jesus says, you'll receive a hundred times. When did Peter, James, and John ever get a hundred times homes, family, property, and all those things? When did that ever happen for them? You think about that, okay? You got to think hard now. Work hard on that one, okay? So you got to hang on every word now and see if you can come to an answer for that, okay? That's worth a dollar at least, okay? All right. So at the end of this, you'll notice Jesus says, and this is, what, this is what really led me to this passage today, kind of rethinking this, the first will be last, many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Now, the, I want to go back to Matthew chapter 20, because if you were looking at a harmony of the Gospels, if you were looking at a harmony of the Gospels, you would find that this is the same context but Matthew records a parable that Jesus told that Mark and Luke don't tell us. But it's part of the same context. And it's a very important parable. And I would like us to consider this this morning. 
Again, now I want you to notice, if you're looking at Matthew, I want you to look at chapter 19. And just the chronology, the narrative of this passage, I want you to look at verse 16. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? This is the lead-in. Okay, and this is the context of this passage. It appears this conversation and this context continues till chapter 20, verse 16, where it says the last will be first and the first will be last. Because then you come to verse 17. Now as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, verse 16 of chapter 19, now a man came up to Jesus. So there's no, between chapter 19 and 16 and 20, 17, there is no narrative break. There is nothing that says, and Jesus left and went over here. Or Jesus, it's like there's a continual narrative here. So this is, so what I'm telling you is that the context of this whole narrative, even though there's a chapter break in verse 20, Matthew did not put that there. That was put there by basically the editors of the Bible for our benefit. And it's a good thing it's there because it would be very difficult for me to say, start turning to Matthew until you find this, Okay. But that's not in the original. So you have this one setting from chapter 19, 16 to 20, 16. It's one setting. And the introduction to the setting is what must I do to, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay? The other key introductory point, and their part that's very important to it, is Peter saying, we have left everything, in verse 27 of chapter 19, same as he said in Mark, we have left everything to follow you. But Matthew adds that Peter also said, what then will there be for us? We did what you told this man to do. What's in it for us? We've done this. Now, in this particular case, what um, Matt's trying to figure out for us is, in verse 29, where he does say, everyone who's left houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mother, children, will receive a hundred times more. He's going to tell us, he's going to tell me at some point um, where that happened, okay? But notice the intro to this. Jesus said to them, verse 28, I tell you the truth, at the renewal or the restoration of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, now every Jew in the audience is thinking about the Messianic kingdom. No, no Jew in that audience is thinking in terms of, what's he talking about? They are looking for the Messiah. They are anxiously awaiting for the Messiah. Jesus has talked about this. It is being proclaimed, it is being talked about. Is, is, this, this, is, the, is this the Messiah? Is he here? Is he the one we've been looking for? And Jesus says, when the Son of Man, which is a Messianic phrase from the Old Testament, sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is a specific um, uh, wish or, or position granted to these 12 apostles. Now, of course, it raises the question, Judas is going to be replaced by Matthias later on. But it's, it's a specific privilege that he gives these 12 and says, listen, I'll tell you what's in it for you. In this kingdom that is coming, you are going to sit and judge the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament sense of the, of the judges of Israel. This is what you're going to do. What does that mean? What is important about that? 
And I just want to suggest to you again, where you know where um, harmony of the Gospels would be kind of interesting? You will notice that in this passage here, where Jesus talks about the, the kingdom of, of uh, heaven, you will find, for example, Luke referencing the kingdom of God. When he talks about the rich man, they say, well, how can anyone be saved? And, and Jesus says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew says kingdom of heaven. Luke says kingdom of God. You might think, well, wait a minute. Did Jesus say heaven or God? What did he say? Well, there's a case where the, the harmony would help you. And it's the simple response is, Matthew is a Jew. He's writing to Jews. And Jews would not pronounce the name of God. Just like if you were in a synagogue today and I was reading the Old Testament, when I come to the name of God, I would never pronounce the, the word Yahweh. I would say Adonai because you don't pronounce his name. So Matthew simply says kingdom of heaven. Everybody, meant, everybody knew that meant kingdom of God. So what is this kingdom? Well, I think in the context has to tell you that the kingdom has to do with, in this particular case, the coming Messianic kingdom. And you 12 are going to sit and judge in this worldwide kingdom that's going to be administered through Israel that they are anticipating. You will sit and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he tells them a parable. And it's introduced, this parable is introduced where Mark leaves off at the verse 30 of chapter 19. Many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. So that's going to be one bookend to the parable. Okay? You have bookends at home between your books, keep them from falling off the shelves. The other bookend to this parable is verse 16. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. There's the two bookends to this, this parable that Jesus is going to tell. A parable in, in, the, in Jesus' life and ministry was a story that was told to illustrate a truth. It may or may not have been true. Some of them are, are, are so well known that we just assume they were true. The parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Did that happen or not? It doesn't matter. It was a parable. It may have happened. It may not have happened. It's a parable. Um, the story of the prodigal son is a parable. Did it happen? Probably. It could have. It doesn't matter. It's a parable. So he tells a parable here. And here's the parable. And it's about the kingdom of heaven. And I just, I want to remind you, sometimes we get a little bit caught up in trying to say, okay, every time it says kingdom of God, it means this. Every time it says kingdom of heaven, it means this. One's heaven, one's earth. No, it's the context has to kind of tell you, because I already told you that they would use those terms interchangeably. The context here clearly tells you Jesus is talking about this messianic kingdom, because the 12 apostles are going to sit in the 12 tribes. And here's the parable about this kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Now here's, let me give you a little cultural context of this story here. In the first century, Many people relied on what we might call today day labor. We use that term today for people who report each day and wait to be called for a day's work. You know, like labor ready, for example, or people that gather outside a, 
a store and hope someone will come and hire them for the day. Many people earn their living this way. Most of the people that worked in the fields and that worked in the vineyards, that this was an agrarian economy, and most of the people, this is how they worked. That was their job. And they worked for 12 hours. That was the working day, basically from 6 in the morning till 6 at night. And a denarius is an average day's wage. So if you were to take an average day's wage here for that type of labor and, and, and put it in one bill, that's what it is. So these are people who are, they are day laborers, and if they were going to eat that day, they hoped they would get hired that day. This was very common. This was, this was the average for the people who worked in the agrarian economy that weren't, that weren't servants or slaves. And this is how they ate. This is how they got by day to day. This is when the Lord says, give us this day our daily bread. They were very familiar with this concept of working enough that day to go buy bread for your family, like is in many, many places of the world today. Many places. Maybe the majority of people in the world today still live this way. So he hires these people, and they go out for a day's wages. Catherine, you look awful sad there, thinking he's, he's, he's got something against girls. He's paying guys to listen. I want, you to, I want you to listen carefully, okay? And I want you to hang on every word because I want you to think about um, why Jesus would, would do this and pay, tell his parable. Why is he getting at this? Okay? You're so much kinder when you took that money than Matt. I'll tell you, you know? <laughs> Thanks, you know? Okay, he's, he's a, Matt's aggressive, okay? Hey, Matt's, Matt's uh, basketball team won the state title in Kings High School in the boys and girls. That's the first time it's ever happened, isn't it? Good deal. Yeah. We've had a lot of people over the years played at Kings High School, and uh, so that was great. But I'm not paying you guys for that, okay? All right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so I need to hang on my every word now, Catherine, because I want you to understand why would Jesus do this? Why would he tell this story? These guys... Go to work. In verse 2, he agreed to pay them. He went out early in the morning to hire men working in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, which is fair, a day's wage. And he sent them into the vineyard. They're day laborers. They got paid. They're going to get paid. He sends them off into the vineyard. You know, the only difference is I'm paying you guys up front. Are you listening, Michael? Are you hanging on every word? Because you got the biggest responsibility here, okay? I just paid you up front. I'm better than this guy at this vineyard. He's waiting the days over. I'm trusting you, okay? About the third hour, which would be what time, by the way? Third hour. Come on, mathematicians. Nine o'clock, excellent. So about the third hour, nine o'clock, he goes out and he sees other people standing in the marketplace doing nothing. Now, this, the implication is not that these people are lazy or you know, derelict and trying to work and so on. No, these people are standing there waiting to get called for labor ready. They're waiting to go to work, but no one has called them. That's why they're standing there. Okay? So he goes out there at 9 o'clock, Catherine. Why does he do this? He, hired, he goes out there at the ninth hour, and he, and he sees these people, and he says to them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you. Now notice, very important word here. I will pay you whatever is right because they're not going to work a whole day. They're only going to work three-fourths of a day. So it's up to him to determine what is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour, which is, engineers, what's the sixth hour from six in the morning? Noon, thank you. He goes out at noon, sixth hour, 
and the ninth hour, which is three o'clock, very good, and he does the same thing. So he goes, he goes, so he goes again. He goes at nine, he goes at 12, he goes at three, and he says, he says Kyle, you're, you know, why, why, why are you standing here, Kyle? And Kyle says, because no one's hired me yet. I'm not lazy, I'm just, I'm waiting to go to work, but there's, no one's hired me. You go work in my field, and I will pay you what is, what? Right. I will pay you what is right. Now, you're only going to work a few hours, Kyle, but don't worry about it. It's, it's better than nothing, and you'll have something to eat tonight, and I will pay you what is right. Verse 6. About the 11th hour. Now, our day started at 6 in the morning. The 11th hour is 5 in the afternoon. There's one hour left in the day. One hour left in a day. About the 11th hour, he goes out, and he found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? And the response isn't, well, we're just, we just don't really care about working. They say, no, we've been standing here because no one has hired us. No one has hired us. And he said to them, you also go work in my vineyard. Now I, need, I, have one, I have one more dollar here, and um, that's it. That's all, I can, that's all I can afford to hire today. Okay, Josh. All right. <laughs> he, Josh is looking for a job, by the way. So. <laughs> that's more money I've made all week. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, Josh is a... Hey, Josh has moved back from... Uh, Graduated from Moody, Moody Seminary, this master's degree, and uh, moved back to the area here. And uh, it's good to have Josh back with us. And so Josh is going to hang on my every word too, and he's going to really delve into this and uh, tell us what's going on here. You guys are all waiting for the secret. Are you always listening hard now, working hard. Okay. So, evening comes, verse eight. And the owner of the vineyard, the man who owns it, says to his foreman, the guy who is in charge of everything, call the workers and pay them their wages. Beginning with the last one's hired, Josh, who's going to work for an hour, and going to the first, Michael, who's been listening the whole time I've been preaching. Josh has been over here thinking about it, but now he's got to listen, okay? because <laughs> I'm paying him. These two guys have been working and paying him and bring them up. So verse 9, the workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. The guy who worked the 11th hour got a whole day's wages. He got a whole day's wages. The, the man said, I'll pay you what's right. I'll pay you what's right. And he pays him an entire day's, he pays him 12 hours of wages for that one hour of work. And verse 10, so when those came who were hired first, Michael, well, then they expected to receive more. After all, these guys worked for an hour and they got a denarius. Man, this is a generous landowner. We're going to get at least 10 times what he got. And instead, look at verse, they each of them received a denarius. They each received the same, a day's wages. 
And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. There was a revolt here. There was grumbling and mumbling and some anger. And these men who were hired last, they said, they worked only an hour. And you have made, now notice what it says, you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. It's the Middle East. They're working outside in the vineyard. It's hard work. And they worked for 12 hours. And this guy worked for one hour. But they all got the same pay. Now listen, they're grumbling, they're upset. Let me ask you a question. If the landowner had never hired anybody else, would they be upset? Huh? No, why? Because they got what was fair. They got what was right. They, he hired them for a day's wages. He paid them a day's wages. What made them upset was he hired somebody else at three different increments throughout the day, and then this guy works for an hour, and he gets the same. And that makes him upset. And so the landowner's response is, the landowner's response to them in verse 13, but he answered one of them on behalf of all of them. Friend. Now notice he calls him friend. He doesn't yell at him. He's not angry. He says, now listen, friend. Listen to me. I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I want, if I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you, don't I have the right to do what I want with what's mine? And in the original, it doesn't even say money. It just says, can I do what I want? It's mine. I can do what I want. Or, in the literal Greek translation, it says, is your eye evil? Are you envious because I am generous? Is your eye evil because I am good? The literal translation is, is your eye evil because I am good? And then Jesus closes by saying, so the last will be first, parable's over, the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, I'm not paying the rest of you to listen today, okay? You're free labor. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. What is this parable about? What are you guys talking about over there? Huh? You can't figure, no, you're supposed to be hanging on my every word, right? Now, I paid you guys to listen now, okay? All right. See, I see you know everything that's going on here. Some of you think I don't know what's going on here, right? Okay. Now, listen, what's this parable about? Now, if we were in a class, I'd have you break up into small groups, then you could talk, and I'd have you discuss it. What is this parable about? Is this parable about those who work an hour as good as those who work 12 hours? Is this parable about the willingness of those who work an hour and the willingness of those who work 12 hours? Is this parable about the Gentiles who will replace the Jews because they will come last toward God's message of salvation? Uh, as Apostle Paul says in the book of Acts, therefore I'm, I'm, you, I told you, now I'm going to the Gentiles. 
Is this parable an economic parable? Is it about socialism? Is it about equality that doesn't matter who, to, to each according to his need? You know, everybody gets paid exactly the same. Is this parable about equal, uh, rewards in heaven? Is this parable about rewards in heaven? I want to give you a little clue here. Notice how he closes it. So the last will be first... And the first will be last. Go back to chapter 19, verse 30. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. You guys are hanging on my every word. Is there any difference? Do you notice any difference? Chapter 19. Many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Chapter 20, verse 16. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, you guys they pay, come up here for a minute. You guys, come up here. You throw in your money now. Come on up here. Okay. Come on up here. Right over here. Come on up. All right, looking good. And I want you to arrange yourselves right here in order of... Number. No, not, no, the order of how long you worked. First to last. Uh, Catherine couldn't do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. There we go. He worked the longest, second the longest, third the longest, and you had little to do. First, that's the way I like it. That's the way you like it. That's right. <laughs> that's right. First to last. Now, what I want you to do, huddle back up again, like a basketball huddle, huddle up. Okay, here we go. Now, look at your, what you got paid. And I want you to now arrange yourselves in order of how you got paid. Put yourselves in order of how you got paid. Yeah, how much you made? How much you got made? How much you got paid? Why are you coming down here? I was going for the numbers. No, not the numbers on your dollar. No, 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 no. Wait, it's 12? 12. You're looking at, what are you looking at? How, they're all about how much it's worth, okay? <laughs> Huddle back up, redo it now. What are you doing? We're all together. You're all together, Josh, why? Because we all got paid the you, I want you in order of the value of your pay. Yeah. That's it. Who's first? Yeah. Who's last? No. Okay, you guys earned your money. You can sit down, okay? <laughs> Now listen, here, here's, here's my point. You know, so often, and I've, I've read this so many times, and my first reaction is, well, what Jesus is saying, obviously, is those who think they're first now, Pharisees, scribes, and others, just wait. You're going to find out at the end, you are going to be last. And the least likely are going to be first. But that's not what it says. When the end of the day came, they all were first and they were all last. There is an equality here. It's prefaced by Peter saying, Lord, we've left everything. What's in it for us? And the Lord says, you will sit and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. But don't forget, I have also told you and I will continue to tell you that he who must, wants to be greatest must become the what? 
servant of all. This is a huge theme in what we've been studying in Mark the last weeks. What is the point of this parable? D.A. Carson, who was one of the really foremost evangelical Greek scholars in modern times, written several Greek um, works and so on, he points out in his commentary on this, the point of this parable is not about social equality. That's important. It's not about rewards in heaven. Paul does talk about rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. It's not about the value of one versus 12. It's not about the Gentiles replacing the Jews. The point of this parable could be summed up in one word. Generosity. The point is, the owner of the vineyard chose to be generous to all of those people. It was his choice. He could do what he wanted. And if he chose to be generous to all of them, they should all be thankful and accept it because that is his choice. Friends, I think that is the message. The first, what I asked you about chapter 19 and, verse, and chapter 20, you should notice he switches them. At the end of chapter 19, he says, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. At the end of chapter 20, he reverses that. It comes out the same. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. He switches those examples, but it comes out the same. The point of this parable is, has nothing to do with the fact that the Pharisees and scribes and the legalists think they're first now, but boy, wait till they find out. He's, he's given this parable in response to Peter, his disciples. Equality is important. And I think it's a transdispensational principle that runs across the ages when God works with his people. Blomberg, in his commentary, says this. Now listen, listen to this. you got to listen carefully. Little seems more unequal than the equal treatment of unequals. Little seems more unequal than the equal treatment of unequals. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are members of the body of Christ. And in this new people of God, in this age that we live in today, in this body of Christ, in Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians, in chapter 3, and let me just read this to you. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ, believers. For all of you who were baptized, who were placed into Christ, baptizo, placed into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Listen. And this is radical in the first century. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Friends, the good news for us today, good news for me, you know, I think, I think we ought, if we're honest, most of us have a little apprehension. You know, we're looking forward to heaven. We're looking forward to eternity. But is there sometimes some apprehension that 
you know, I didn't live my life the way I should have. Uh, boy, I wish I would have had more time. That person has, has served Christ. They've done this, they've done that, and I kind of waited, and I've served Christ toward the end here. Uh, listen, friends. Listen. We are either saved or we're not. Now, I'm not saying your life is important. What you do with your life is important. And he hired for one hour of work. That one hour of work was extremely important and extremely valuable. But our salvation and our eternal standing before God and our forgiveness for sins has nothing to do with what we do. It's by the grace of God. Amen? It is the grace of Almighty God who has chosen to be generous if we appeal to God's justice without his mercy, we are all damned. But we appeal to God's mercy and his generosity. And when we stand before the Lord, yes, there is the beam of seed of Christ, but if my goal in life is so I can earn rewards, then that becomes a prideful thing and that cuts right across what I'm called to do. I serve God because he chose to love me. And that's why you serve, and that's why you worship. Why do we worship? Why do we spend time this morning singing these songs, lifting our voices, and, and, and reading the scripture, and learning this music? It's because music expresses our worship to God, how much we love and we appreciate it, and how thankful, how humbled we are that God is so generous. And I close with this, friends. If God is a generous God, God who is rich in mercy, but God who loved us, but God, Ephesians tell us, who chose to love us, is rich in mercy, just as that landowner was. If I choose to give to everybody, I choose to do that because I'm generous and I'm merciful. If that's our God and our Savior, then I leave you with Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. It's the verse I use at every marriage ceremony that I do. Because if you can put this to work with the people closest to you, uh, it's important. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We serve a generous, merciful, and loving God. We are his people. And God has called each one of us to imitate him. And we are to be loving, generous, compassionate, and graceful in how we treat each other, beginning in our own families, those closest to us, in our church family, in our communities, in our world, be imitators of God, the vineyard owner, who chose to be good and generous to all whom he called. We love him. Say it with me. We love him because he what? First loved us. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.
Praising our Savior all the day long. How about all week long this week? Each day wake up and give God thanks for His grace and mercy and His love for you. And who can you share that love and mercy with this week? And also, I want to remind you that after church today, uh, Sharon is hosting uh, an informal reception in the upper lounge with some light refreshments. Come and uh, greet, uh, greet the kids and welcome them back from Australia. Greg and Laura. Nice to have you guys back from Australia with us. Greg is, Greg is home, and Laura is in her new home. She's Australian by birth, but she is now with us, and got a job already lined up, too, in this architect, so we'll look forward to having you guys with us. And for next Sunday, I'll leave you with a little, little question. You guys want to earn some money next week again? I'm not going to pay you. I'm not going to pay you, but I would like, I'd be interested in what you guys think about this. We were reading this week... Um, in our reading that Susie has put together our readings for us, and in Matthew, and I think it was Matthew, but it came up. But here's the here's next week. I want you to think about this. They, Jesus is going to Bethany. They see in the distance a fig tree. Now you know I'm kind of partial to fig trees, so this is important to me. I have a I love fig trees. He saw in the distance a fig tree in leaf, and he went to find out if it had any fruit on it. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. And he said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. He cursed that fig tree for not having figs, but it wasn't the season for figs. So why did he curse the fig tree that wasn't even supposed to have figs? You think about that for next week? I'm not going to pay you, but I'd like you to come and, and we'll talk about that. All right? Father, thank you for this day. We do praise you. We praise your name. You've been so good to us. You love us. You've chosen to love us. And Lord, we uh, begin a new week. And you are God of new beginnings. And we leave this place uh, with great thankfulness and humility and ask for your power and your presence as we imitate you in our lives this week. In Christ's name we pray.